0: 17 and it's found on the church Bibles on page 1065 John 3 1 to 17 Jesus teaches Nicodemus now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a member of the Jewish ruling council he came to Jesus at night and said rabbi We know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to
1: God. Amen. Thank you, Jane. Because <laughs> <laughs> I never get his names wrong. Anyway, good morning, everyone. It is uh, it is great to be with you again and uh, to share in your services this morning. And uh, it's, uh, uh, the theme is, is living with God forever. But we've got this strange uh, uh, kind of thing in the church's calendar called Trinity Sunday. And uh, uh, probably one of the most confusing of uh, all the teachings that, uh, that we get. Um, so we, we look at God as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, could you follow that collect, by the way, that Libby read? No. It, I th- it was difficult. It is one of the most confusing of all the collects because it tries to explain in a prayer the Trinity. And uh, I remember when I was studying theology and um, we, we did a whole term studying the Trinity and uh, it, it was a section called historical theology which we rena- renamed as hysterical theology <laughs> and um, Chris Byworth was our lecturer. And he said, well, uh, this term we'll be looking at the Trinity. Uh, But he said, if you think that by the end of the term, you will actually understand the Trinity, forget it. Uh, You'll be the first person uh, in 2,000 years to have done that if you accomplish that feat. Uh, But he says, that's what we're going to look at. And and, and that's what we did. And uh, I I don't think it's anything we can ever actually fully get our heads around. Uh, But we can experience God as Father, Son, and Spirit. Uh, I get worried when people do get their heads around God. Uh, I, I remember um, many years ago now, J.B. Phillips, who uh, r- wrote a, a translation of the New Testament, uh, also wrote a book, and he titled the book, Your God is Too Small. Your God is Too Small. Uh, and, and sometimes we, we try and put God in a box, don't we? We would try and fit God in uh, to, to something that we can understand and, and probably something that we can control. And, and God always jumps out of the box uh, and does something unusual. And, and as we look at Nicodemus this morning, uh, I think there's a sense in which Nicodemus and the Jews in Nicodemus' day had, had almost done that. They'd, they'd reduce God in, into a system that worked for them, and, and something that could be controlled and neat. Now, some of us tend to do that with life generally. I don't know if, you, if you're like me. Um, I, I remember when Cluedo first came out. It's uh, still doing the rounds, isn't it, Cluedo? You know, Who Done It, and uh, and all of that. And, and you see, I'm the sort of person. that that worked out a system which meant that nobody could beat me. I I, I literally worked out all the responses, all the answers. The only person who could possibly find out before me who'd done it would be the person who literally went before me on the very first round, if they had the same system. But nobody would play with me. I can't understand why. (laughs) Strange, isn't it, eh? Then I remember when I was a curate, and uh, this was a church in South Yorkshire, uh, and, and God began to do some amazing things through the healing ministry. Uh, he, he just came by his spirit. Uh, and I was this enthusiastic young curate, wanted to get everything right. So I was, I was trying to tabulate everything that God did. You know, uh, That was the situation, that was what was prayed and that was what, what happened. To try and work out the very best way to pray for healing. Nah, doesn't work like that does he? God never ever works to assist him however much we try to and work him out but I think it's a general human tendency to put God in a box if you're familiar with the the the, the letter of Paul to the Galatians in in chapter 3 he rounds on them and says you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you now very very strong language from Paul that's a quite polite translation, I think, actually. Yeah. You, you foolish Galatians. Who, who's misled you? You started off with the Spirit and you slipped into the law and legalism. I think the challenge of us looking at Nicodemus this morning, the challenge for me as well, is that we in our Christian lives can so easily slip away from the Spirit into legalism and control. Now, Nicodemus himself, um, important person, VIP. Uh, He was a Pharisee, so he was an expert in the law, and uh, and we we read that he was part of the Jewish ruling council. So so not only was he an expert in the law, he was one of the leading experts in the law. He really was one of the top people. And, And the Pharisees were good and godly men, but... But, and this is the but, they tied God up into their system. And it was all based on the commandments. We're all very familiar with the Ten Commandments, aren't we? Yeah? Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, that wasn't enough. You see, uh, it's all well and good, isn't it, saying, thou shalt not work on the Sabbath day. But someone is going to say, ah, but what do you mean by work? Yeah so let let me give you a couple of examples shall I Uh, because in addition to the Ten Commandments you had uh, a, a further 630 or so and then long commentaries and explanations of those so ladies on the Sabbath day you were not allowed to look in the mirror now any ideas why it is because if you looked in the mirror you might see a grey hair and be tempted to pluck it. Plucking hair is work. Therefore in order to avoid even the temptation of doing work, you were not allowed to look in the mirror on the Sabbath day. Which could I explain? No, no. <laughs> Strange isn't it? Gentlemen, you're not going to be let off the hook. Gentlemen, on the Sabbath day, you were allowed to spit on a stone, but not on the ground. Work that one out. Very simple. Very, very hot climate. So if you spit on a stone, your spittle very quickly evaporates. No problem. But if you spit on the ground, that can be mixed into a paste which is like cement. And making cement is Work. So you're not allowed to spit on the... Do you get the point? Now, the Pharisees and the rulers uh, of, of the law, the experts, knew all this inside out. And so were able to live lives according to the law. The problem is, ordinary people couldn't. We couldn't become experts like that. And we couldn't possibly keep all those miniature regulations. And so God loves those who keep the law. I will be your God and you will be my people if you keep my commands. And so for the in crowd it worked. But for everybody else it didn't. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm summarising, I'm parodying a little bit to get the point across. But, but that, that, that's the general feel and drift. And of course, non-Jews, Gentiles, didn't have the law at all. So they were completely beyond the pale and, and weren't even almost human beings. Gentile dogs, often referred to. God is the God who loves people who keep the law. And of course along comes this rabbi called Jesus. And in response to this teaching that uh, is prevalent, says rubbish. It, it blew it out. He said that is not what God is like. You, you've misrepresented God completely. God loves Everyone. Everyone. And he showed that in the way he exercised his ministry. And he got into enormous trouble for being the friend of sinners and outcasts. Taking God's love to everyone. And so Nicodemus, this expert. See, most of the Pharisees hated Jesus. You know, the, 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 There's often this controversy, isn't there? And arguments between Jesus and the legal experts. And it was always centering around this. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Jesus allowed his disciples to eat on the Sabbath. All sorts of things. Always breaking the rules. But Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Notice he comes at night. He's a little bit wanting to be secretive. But he comes and he says, We know that you must be from God because nobody could do the things you're doing unless God were with him. But how can this be? And of course, Jesus, well, Jesus says those amazing words, doesn't he? That uh, we we use and hear quite often, Nicodemus, you must be born again. What what does he mean by that? Well, there's all sorts of uh, explanations of born again, uh, and and that's taken over in all sorts of different ways. I think in this context, what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is, look, Nicodemus, uh, we, we can't just kind of tinker with the edges of what you believe. Actually, You've got it so wrong, mate. You need to start all over again. Massive, massive change. I think that's the the context that Jesus is addressing to Nicodemus. We can't just tinker with one or two of your little kind of edges of your belief. It's the very fundamental way that you think about everything. And of course, Nicodemus... um, I'm not sure whether he misses the point completely or whether he was just being quite clever when he said, you mean I have to enter into my mother's womb again? Now, I don't know if he said that puzzled or with a great smile on his face. Difficult to tell, isn't it? I suspect it might have been the latter because he was quite a clever man. And of course it leads into this great discussion about the spirit. And Jesus centres on the spirit blows where he will. It's all about the spirit, not about keeping rules and regulations. You see, at its base, what Jesus was talking was that what he was bringing was something about a relationship, not about rules and religion, about a relationship with your heavenly Father. And that is the key, Abba. That was the centre of his teaching. But you see, that's not very easy. If, if, if we just have a nice set of rules, you know, if we come on and say, look, as long as you do this, 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 you're fine and you'll get to heaven. I mean, that's how, that's how some of the cults and the sects work. They just have a, a nice set of rules and it's safe. But Christianity is never safe, Christianity is about a living relationship. And that is so much harder to keep than a simple set of rules. You see, in a relationship, we say, Jesus is Lord. And we put God first. With rules, by keeping the rules, we can control. If we do this, this and this, God will be pleased with us. And therefore, he ought to do this. And it's not a long way from controlling God Which leads eventually to magic and witchcraft. That's that line that that takes. But actually, if we're talking about a relationship, that is something enormously different. Being open to the spirit and the moves of the spirit and the words and the nudges of the spirit and allowing God to direct us. Now, I can hear some of you thinking, George, George, do you mean no rules, no laws? None? Well, Augustine, the great teacher of the third century, he said this, love God and do whatever you want. You knew that one, didn't you? Yeah. Love God and do whatever you'd like. Oh, that's dangerous, isn't it? If you truly love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, do whatever you wish. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Not sure how many of us can cope with that. Really. Because rules are quite nice. Because we know where we are. That isn't. What about disciplines? That's another way of looking at it. Surely in the Christian life we've got to have certain disciplines, haven't we? Yeah. What about reading the Bible and praying? That's important, isn't it? Well... Yes it is, but reading the Bible and praying doesn't make us a good Christian, does it? They are not ends in themselves. If we read the Bible all the way through every year or even every week, that does nothing unless we listen to what the Spirit is saying as we read the Bible. Reading the Bible and praying are a way of allowing The Spirit to speak to us, and that relationship with God, Father, Son, and Spirit to grow and develop. Themselves, they achieve nothing at all. Let me give you an example from uh, something that I do. Uh, I I love uh, photography, right? And uh, uh, the problem is, I I don't get around to taking enough photos. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I forget. Forget to take my camera with me. All sorts of things. So I've joined this project 365, and, uh, and what it means is that uh, we, we we're going to take a fo- at least one foot, one decent photo every day. Um, that, that that's one I took. Right, that, that's the moon at night with a, a telephoto lens through the trees. Quite like that one, yeah. And, and and so that one got uploaded onto this project, and and people from all over the world do it now. Managing for a full year to upload a photo every day doesn't make me a good photographer, does it? Of course it doesn't. They could be rubbish. But what it does is it makes me do it, makes me look at photos, makes me think about photography and so through that, hopefully, I become a better photographer. But it's not the doing of it itself. It's like the Christian disciplines. If they become legalistic, we think that they achieve something, they don't. It's only the relationship that is important. Now, let me now approach it from a different angle, because uh, the passage contains one very, very famous and interesting verse, doesn't it? Yeah? You picked it up, didn't you? Yeah, of course you did. John three sixteen. Now, let me put it like this. Uh, you see, I think that it's very easy for us, if we're not careful, to slip into this legalism. And, and, and for true Christianity, uh, as Jesus intended it, to get a bit distorted uh, and a bit sidelined. It's a bit like counterfeit currency. So uh, yeah, when, when people produce counterfeit uh, notes, the experts who have to spot them, do you, know, do you know how they train them to spot them? What they never ever do is show them the counterfeit. They only ever show them the real thing. And they say, this is the real thing. And by concentrating on the real thing, they can spot the counterfeit. If they show them the counterfeit note, it gets everybody confused. So no surprise then, I think, that in this discussion with Nicodemus, we have one of the most famous summaries of the gospel of all time. In John 3.16. And I think there Jesus is saying. Nicodemus you've got all your law and all this. How about this? This is the real thing. This, This encapsulates what God is really like. So just for two or three minutes as we finish. To focus on this one verse. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Living with God forever. Why is that? Why have all the verses in the Bible, have we picked that one out as such an important verse? Because lots of people do, don't they? Well, let me just suggest one or two things. It starts with God. It doesn't start with church. It doesn't start with us. It starts with God. God at the very center. And it goes straight into, say, the key characteristic of God. God loves. That's where in the Bible it says God is love. And in terms of all this about legalism and laws, a lovely phrase that I often refer to is this There is nothing you can do that will make God love you any more than he already does. And there is nothing that you can do that will make God love you less than he already does. God loves you. You see, and when we get into legalism, we think, well, you know, if we do this, this and this, we're a good Christian, God will be pleased with us. God will love us more, won't he? No, no, no. The Christian life is all about grace. God loves us. For God so loved the world. And then that love is an active love. It's not just a word. He gave his one and only son. So we move straight into Jesus. The love that gives. The God who comes amongst us. The God who dies for us. God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. And the message always, always, always. Centres on Jesus and the cross. And there all the laws and all the legalism. Is completely blown away. By the word forgive. Father forgive them. They know not what they do. For God so loved, who? The world. God loves everybody. Whoever, whoever believes. Do you know, the gospel is open to everyone. And yet if you look at the churches across our land, you would think that the gospel is generally reserved for a fairly intellectual, middle class group of people. I wonder what Jesus would say. It strikes me that whenever there's a great move of God, the gospel goes to ordinary people. Whenever that dies down, it sticks with the nice people who've got it neatly, set, a bit like the Pharisees. Yeah. It's a challenge isn't it? It's a challenge always. You see. God so loved the world. That whoever. Nobody. Is beyond the grace of God. And we as the church. Have to reflect. That whoever. More and more. And rise to the challenge of what that means. In terms of the way we do church. Church. And I can say that to, to, to you in the church, because I know uh, that's very much part of your DNA, isn't it? Looking at different ways of being church and making church available at different times, in different ways, different styles. Oh, yes. But it's very easy to retreat back into our Sunday legalism if we're not careful. Nothing wrong with Sunday. Don't, don't get me wrong there. Even the more traditional one, I love that phrase. When I was in Blackpool, I had a more traditional one. It was great. That was my favourite service. But let's not think that this is the only way. For God so loved everyone. That whoever believes. And it always, always invites a response. Jesus, wherever he was, whoever he spoke to, evoked a response. wasn't always a positive one. Some walked away downcast. But there's always the invitation, whoever believes, that active trusting in Jesus, shall not perish, but have eternal life. And we as Christians have a hope that is different. You know that John 3.16 encapsulates hope. That's what it says on that one: the numbers of hope. And we live in a world where many people have no hope. Well the only hope they have is while they're rich and healthy and it doesn't last beyond if they lose their money and lose their health and they avoid death like the plague but we have a hope that is far beyond all of that well that's John 3:16 in 2 to 3 minutes but what it asks is this is that our faith Have we, without realising it, lapsed a little bit into legalism? Thinking that we've got to do it, we've got to try harder, instead of just being open to the Spirit and receiving the grace that God gives day by day, week by week. And we need to do that as individuals and we need to do that as church. So our invitation today, as we continue to worship, and as we come and receive bread and wine and be renewed afresh and reminded afresh of God's grace, is to ourselves respond and receive afresh the Holy Spirit so that we walk in the Spirit, not in the law. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Nicodemus.